Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Professor David Lewis from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis told the following story. My friend was always the rugged individualist. Even when he was a boy, he was always the individualist. I would say that he was the ideal John Wayne American male. Always the strong one, always the leader, always the one in charge. And the key to his identity, always independent. And in particular, of course, the older he got, independence was understood as being independent of both mom and dad. He was a guy that always seemed to have a job before he was 16, working weekends, nights, and summers. And having money was very key to his identity. He was, after all, independent of mom and dad. So he didn't need them to buy him stuff. He would take care of himself. He didn't need them to take him places. He would take care of that himself as well. Not surprisingly, when he graduated from high school, he immediately found a full-time job. He's smart, skilled, hardworking, and quickly rose up through the ranks above all of his peers, even the guys who were older than he was. He bought a house when he was young, got married when he was young, had three children when he was young. By the time his peers were graduating from college, he already had his own household set aside. He was a man. And he understood himself as a man who was quite independent of mom and dad. Well, maybe not dad so much. He needed dad to do those kind of manly things with him, like hunting and fishing. His dad was with him when he bought his first shotgun. His dad was with him when he bought his first car and his first suit. You know, dad was worth something. But mom, I can remember that already at a very young age, he didn't think that he really needed his mom very much. And so it may not be very surprising that during those days, his relationship with his mom was not very good. And so things went. And when he was about 40 years old, just when everything seemed perfect and ideal, when he was at his height, suddenly circumstances brought him down for a while. What happened? He was stricken with a disease that affected both his physical and mental health. And the doctors didn't know what was going on. It took them a long time to diagnose the problem. And when they finally had this diagnosis, they told him that it would take about a year or more to fully treat this disease. But that wasn't the worst of it. His wife of 20 years left him. She didn't want a sick husband. And so she left him with three teenage children in the house who didn't understand how their father, always the source of strength and leadership, could suddenly be so helpless 
and weak. It didn't make sense to them. He tried to share his concerns with a few male friends, but that didn't work out very well either. In fact, a few of them were, in his words, disgusted and repelled by his weakness. So he was afraid to tell anyone else, including his father, lest his father respond in that same way. And so, in a strange twist of irony, as he faced utter despair, he did the one thing that he thought he would never do as a man. That's right. He went home to mom. He literally went home crying to his mother. And he said that that was the one thing that truly led to his recovery. He said his mother saved his life. So what did she do? Well, it may seem kind of sappy, but what she did was comfort him in a way that only his mama could. She took him in. She didn't bring up any of the slights from the past 20 plus years. Instead, she listened to him. She hugged him. She spoke tenderly to him. She reassured him of her love for him. And no matter what happened, she promised that she would be there for him. And she kept that promise in the days and years ahead. She was a Christian woman too. So she reminded him of the one thing that he had forgotten. She reminded him of the God who loved him and of his Savior Jesus who had redeemed him. And now when he looks back, he says, Mom, saved me. When I needed that comfort, she was the only one in the world I could go to. And she took me in and she comforted me. Our Old Testament reading for today from Isaiah chapter 66 made me think of that story by Professor Lewis about his friend, especially verse 13. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Here Yahweh the Lord likens himself to a mother who comforts her child. But that should definitely not open up a discussion about inclusive language about our Lord, our God. Especially when you look at the context of Isaiah 66 and beyond with its metaphorical language. It is Jerusalem who is the mother. Mother Jerusalem will give birth to a son in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 7 through 9. And then those who mourn over Jerusalem, those who love her, are promised that they will nurse at her mother, Jerusalem. Nevertheless, we should not let this passage be robbed of its power. This is how the Lord depicts himself with his people. I myself will comfort you as a man is comforted by his mother. Perhaps what is most problematic about this passage is that Isaiah is addressing adults, people like most of us. And he's telling them that they will nurse, that they will be carried along the hip, that they will be bounced upon the knee. I think here I could identify 
just a little bit with Professor Lewis's friend and think that I would never really want as an adult male to be in that position, to be that helpless, to be that needy. Now don't get me wrong, I understand that's how we all began life. But in our culture, aren't we all supposed to grow up and handle things without running home to mama? And yet, what a good description of God's people in exile in Babylon. The strongest nation in the world has destroyed the holy city, has destroyed the holy temple, and has carried God's chosen people off into captivity. And that's all happening because God is punishing them for their sin and rebellion against Him. That's an effective way to describe God's people in exile. Helpless. Needy. So is God going to be disgusted by their weakness? Repelled by them? No. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is what He says in Isaiah chapter 40. And then here in Isaiah 66, as a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you. God was faithful. God promised His people in exile that He would sustain their life. That He would restore them. That in Jerusalem, they would be comforted. Who has ever heard of such a thing? That a nation destroyed would be reborn. And yet the God of Israel was faithful to His Word, and accomplished this thing that He had promised. And the people in exile rejoiced because God's Word was true. He did comfort them. He restored them and brought them back. As a man whose mother comforts him, so I will comfort you. And in Jerusalem, you will be comforted. Well, That's true for the exiles. But what does this have to do with us? I don't believe any of us were ever in exile in Babylon. And we're needing to be restored to Jerusalem. But there is sort of eschatological or the last days language in what God said in verse 12. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. This is remarkably similar to the metaphor language of heaven that we were talking about two weeks ago in our Sunday morning Bible class. And it's also kind of interesting to note how we find ourselves in a different but comparable situation as those exiles. For one thing, can you honestly say that you have never been helpless or needy like a child? What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 10, verse 15? Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. In fact, this is exactly what you were when God our Father saved you through His Son Jesus and called you to faith through the water and the word at your baptism. Regardless of your age, you were like the exiles, helpless, needy, unable to sustain your life. Yet as a man whose mother comforts him, so the God of Israel, 
The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ comforted you and brought you into His people. And here we are, waiting for our Lord Jesus' return. We are awaiting restoration of all things. And in this time, we are called to live as His disciples, to confess, to share the good news of the Gospel, and to be faithful. You know, there are plenty of passages in the New Testament that call on us to be mature. Mature, but never independent of God our Father. But mature in standing like adult men and women. And what happens when we contend with sin, death, and the power of Satan? We get weary and worn out. And what about those moments when this present evil age from which we've been rescued wears upon us? When we get weak, will God our Father be disgusted and repelled by our weakness? No. The God we see in Isaiah 66 and the rest of Scripture does not change. Our Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us does not change. Remember Hebrews 13 verse 8? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we need that comfort, God comforts us with His promises in His Word. Just as He did the people in Babylon, so He comforts you, His people, today. And so as we await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, I can say to you, the people of God, rejoice. Rejoice, you who love Jerusalem. Rejoice you who confess the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Rejoice you the called people of God, redeemed by Jesus Christ. God will extend peace like a river. The glory of the nations as an overflowing stream. You will nurse. You will be carried along on the hip. You will be bounced upon the knee. As a man whose mother comforts him, so your God, the God of Israel, The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will comfort you. And then the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth will come. And you will again be comforted. May the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, keep us steadfast in this hope and in this comfort, both now and forevermore. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.